Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. You know what I'm craving right now? What? A limoncello LaCroix. Well, at least you can eat anything right now. I know. Peyton's getting over the stomach flu. Actually, that might actually be good on your stomach. What? The bubbly water. And it has lemon in it. Oh, you need to get lemon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have my, don't worry, I have my grocery list. We have our list of tummy stuff. If you guys ever have the tummy bug. Lemon, just, honey, water. Yep, lemon, honey, water. It's kind of like warm. This is going to sound really gross because when you think about it, it's like warm lemon, sweet lemon water, which is like basically warm lemonade. But if you make it really sour and you put just a little bit of honey and you just sip it, it the sour makes your stomach feel much better. If you like ginger... You can add a little bit of ginger. Um, and something that, oh my gosh, helps so much, you guys, is peppermint. So peppermint tea. I know, but it, do, it does help. There's some stomach bug tips. All right, well, we were going to read a book that was called um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. But it was like, it was a little bit too old. And we're not religious, but we're not not religious, so... I, li- I just like to learn about other religions. And actually, I do want to read it, too. It does sound like a really cute book, but it's inappropriate to read because we have some younger children on here, and it talks about, like, becoming an, a teenager and what happens when you're to your body when you're a teenager. So we just decided we're going to use that as a recommendation for parents that want to read to their kids and make it more comfortable to talk about that kind of stuff. But that is not my place because I am only Peyton's mom. So we're going to read the kind of stuff that we like to read. We like spooky stuff, so we're we're like, dude, you know what? It's still spooky season, right, Pay? Mm-mm. Okay, she yeah. said no, but I say yes. Yeah. But this book is especially cool because it has a black cat on it, and Peyton has a black cat mm-hmm. named Binks. Okay, mm-hmm. it's called The City of Ghosts. Okay, here you go, chapter one, and it's a three-part series, so if it's good, we'll read the other two. If it's... I really hope it's good because we bought all three. All right. Chapter one. People think that ghosts only come out at night or on Halloween when the world is dark and the walls are thin. But the truth is, ghosts are everywhere. In the bread aisle at your grocery store, in the middle of your grandmother's garden, in the front seat of the bus. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. I'm sitting here in history class when I feel a tap, tap, tap on my shoulder like raindrops. Some people call it intuition. Others call it second sight. That tickle at the edge of your senses telling you that there's something more. This isn't the first time that I felt it. Not by a long shot. Not even the first time I felt it here at my school. I've tried to ignore it. I always do, but it's no use. It wears me away and at my focus, and I know the only way to make it stop is to give in and go see for myself. Jacob meanders over to Alice's desk next to mine, examining the many multicolored pens that she keeps lined up across the top. He leans leans in so close and gingerly brings one of the fingers on the pencil. 
all of his focus narrowed on the nearest one he pokes at it, as he pokes at it. But the pin doesn't move. In the movies, poltergeists can lift televisions, slide beds across the floor, but in truth, it takes a lot of spirit power for a ghost to reach across the veil, the curtain between their world and ours. And the ghosts that do that have a kind of strength. They tend to be to be really old and not very nice. The living may take strength out of love and people and hope, but the dead grow strong on darker things. They grow stronger on pain and anger and regret. Jacob furrows his brow as he tries and fails to flick Matt's paper, Matt's paper football. I'm glad he's not made of all that stuff. I actually don't know how long Jacob's been dead. I think the world, the word, I think that word quietly because I know he doesn't like it. It can't have been that long since there's nothing retro about him. He's got a superhero t-shirt, dark jeans, and high tops. But he doesn't talk about what happened, and I don't ask. Friends deserve a little privacy, even if he can read my mind. I can't read his, but all things considered, I would rather be alive and not psychic than psychic and a ghost. He looks at the word ghost and clears his throat. I prefer the phrase, corporally changed. I roll my eyes because I know he doesn't like it when he reads my mind without asking. Yes, it's a weird side effect of our relationship, but come on, boundaries. It's not my fault you think so loud, Jacob replies with a smirk. I snort and a few seconds, a few students glance my way. I sink lower into my chair and my sneakers knock against the book bag and they knock it on the floor. The invitation Melanie passes to Jenna makes me, oh hey, it's me, makes its way around the room. It doesn't stop at my desk. I don't mind. Summer's almost here, and that means fresh air and sunshine and books for read to, to read for fun. It means that annual family trek down the rented beach house on Long Island so mom and dad can work on their next book. But most of all, it means no hauntings. I don't know what it is about the beach house. Maybe the fact that it's so new or the way that it sits on a calm stretch of shore, but there seems to be fewer ghosts down there than up here in upper state New York. Which means that as soon as school's out, I get six full weeks of sun and sand and good night's sleep. Six weeks without tap, tap, tap of restless spirits. Six weeks of feeling almost normal. I can't wait for the break. I can't wait. And yet, the moment the bell rings, I'm up, backpack on one shoulder, and purple camera strap on the other, leading my, letting my feet carry me towards the persistent tap, tap, tap. Crazy idea, Jacob says, falling asleep falling into step besides me, but we could just go to lunch. It's Meatloaf's Thursday, I think. Careful not to answer out loud. I'd rather face I'd rather face the ghosts. Hey now, he says, but we both know that Jacob's not a normal ghost. He's and just like I'm not a normal girl, not anymore. There was an accident. A bike, a frozen river. Long story short, he saved my life. Yeah, I'm practically a superhero, Jacob says, right before he right before a locker swings open on his face. I wince, but he passes straight through the door. It's not that I forget what Jacob is. It's pretty hard to forget when your best friend's invisible to everyone else, but it's amazing what you can get accustomed to. And it says something the fact that Jacob's been haunting me for the past year isn't even the strangest part of my life. We hit a split in the hall. Left goes to the cafeteria, right goes to the stairs. Last chance for normal, Jacob wonders, warns, but he's got that crooked grin when he says it. We both know we passed normal a long time ago. We go right down the stairs and along another hallway 
against the flow of lunch traffic, and with each turn, the tap, tap, tap gets stronger, turning into a pool like a rope. I don't even have to think about where, where to go. In fact, it's e- easier if I stop thinking and just let him reel me in. It draws me to the doors of the auditorium. Jacob shoves his hand in my pocket and mutters something about bad ideas, and I remember he didn't have to come, even though I'm glad he did. Ninth rule of friendship, he says, ghost watching. It's a two-person sport. That it is, I say, snipping the cap off of my camera lens. It's a clunky old beast, this camera. A manual with a busted viewfinder and a black and white and black and white film hanging off my shoulder, and it's on a thick purple strap. If a teacher catches me in the auditorium, I'll say I was taking photos for the school paper, even though all the clubs have ended for the year. I never work for the paper. I push open the auditorium door and step inside. The theater is huge with a high ceiling and a heavy red curtain that hangs in the stage from view. Suddenly, I realize why the tap, tap, tap has led me here. Every school has stories, ways to explain the creaking sound of the boys' bathroom door, the that cold spot at the back of the English room, the smell of smoke in the auditorium. My school is the same. The only difference is that when I hear a ghost story, I find out if it's real. Most of the time, it's not. A creaky sound is just a door with bad hinges. A cold feeling is just a draft. But I follow the tap, tap, tap down the theater aisle and up onto the stage. I know there's something to this particular story. It's the one about a boy who died in a play. Apparently, a long, long time ago when the school was first opened, there was a fire in the second act of A Midsummer Night's Dream. The set went up in flames and everybody got out, or so that they thought. They found the boy under the trap door. Jacob shivers beside me. I roll my eyes. For a ghost, he scares so easily. Have you ever thought, he says, that you don't scare easily enough? But I scare just as easily as anyone. Believe it or not, I don't want to spend my life searching for ghosts. It's just that if they're here, I can't ignore them. It's like knowing that someone is standing right behind you and being told not to turn around. You can feel their breath on your neck, and every second that you don't look, your mind just takes makes it worse because at the end, what you don't see is always way scarier than what you do see. I climb onto the stage, Jacob's, Jacob at my heels. I can feel him hesitating, his own reluctance dragging me back as I pull the door, the corner of the heavy red curtain slow. No, Jacob's the ghost. I was just saying, like... Oh, he's like Binks. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. No, because her friends can't see him. Jacob follows, passing a straight line through the curtain. It's dark here. So dark... It's so dark it takes a second for my eyes to adjust to follow the various props and benches scattered across the stage. A thin ribbon... A thin ribbon of light comes from beneath the curtain. It's quiet, but there's an eerie sense of motion. The faint groan of sandbags settling on their own hinges. The whisper of the air beneath the floorboards. The rustle of what I hope is paper, not rats. I know that some of the older kids in school dared each other to go back here, to put the ear to the floor and listen for the boy who didn't make it. I heard them bragging about it once in the hall, how long that they'd each lasted. One minute, two, five... Some claim that they've heard the boy's voice. Others say that it's, they smell smoke. They heard footsteps of fleeing children. But it's hard to know what the rumors are and what and the truth picks up. Nobody dared me to come here. They didn't. They didn't have to. When your parents write books about the paranormal activity, people assume that you're weird enough to go on your own. I guess they're right. 
I'm halfway across the dark stage when I trip over something and stumble forward. Jacob's hand shoots to try and catch me, but his fingers go through my arms, and I bang my knee on the wooden floor. My palm smacks hard, and I'm surprised when the floor bounces a little, until I realize that it's a trapdoor. Tap, tap, tap grows more insistent under my hands. Something dances at the edge of my sight. A thin gray curtain caught in a constant breeze, different from the heavy red stage red stage curtain this one no one else can see the veil the boundary between this world and somewhere else between the living and the dead this is what i'm looking for jacob shifts his weight from foot to foot let's go let's get it over with i get back to my feet ghost five i say for luck ghost five is like a high five for friends who can't really touch it's basically just me putting my hand out and him pretending to hit it and both of us murmuring a soft smack sound like that's cute oof says jacob pulling his hands you hit hard i laugh he's such a dork sometimes but the laughter makes space in my chest and clears the fear and nerves as i reach for the veil i've seen people on tv tv ghost whispers talk about crossing over connecting to the other side like it's a flip flipping a switch or a door but for me it's this finding a part of the curtain catching hold of the fabric and pulling it sometimes it's when there's nothing to find Oh, sometimes when there's nothing to find, the veil is barely there. More smoke than cloth and hard to catch hold of. But when a plastic, when a place is haunted, really haunted, the fabric twists around me, practically pulling me through. Right here, right now, it dances between my fingers, waiting to be caught. I grab a hold of the curtain, take a deep breath, and pull. <laughs> Creepy.